such a time to be somebody who can bring deliverance for other people that God has you in a situation to to be there and to be involved to help change the world see that's why as a church we like to say we're simply responding to Jesus because Jesus doesn't want us just to receive God's word and be like okay good I understand God's word but God's like look I want to change you so that I can use you to be a change agent in the world God used Esther at a crucial time in order to save the Jewish people. As Pastor Daniel encouraged us today, we were reminded of God's desire to use us for a specific time and purpose as well. In today's message, we'll hear about how Esther and Mordecai will continue to be used by God. Their task isn't over. God uses people to bring deliverance, and He's raised us up to be involved and help change the world. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, Salvation. So each one of us has had the experience where you go through something and there's a lot involved and it's a tough battle, but you get to the end of the the battle only to realize that there's another battle that's right on the heels of it. You could see it really clearly in, um, in the playoffs in sports, for those of you who like it. So um, I've been watching a bunch of hockey recently. And so uh, two teams just made it to the Stanley Cup finals. But both series went to game seven, right? And it's like you go through this whole series and it's and it's back and forth and the drama is building and then you either win or lose and the person who wins now they go on and now they have another challenge and life can be that way right like where you have this one challenge and you go through all this stuff and you're like okay I'm there and then all of a sudden you're like oh now that this one is over now I have another even greater challenge and I bring this up because in the story that we're looking at in the book of Esther, that Esther is having that same experience where we hit a point where we're like, okay, now one thing is fixed, but now there's an even greater challenge ahead. So I want you to open up in your Bibles to Esther chapter 8. Esther, and I'm going to get us caught up to speed on where we are in Esther, but Esther chapter 8. Now, if you're flipping through the Bible, the book of Esther is pretty easy to find. The book of Psalms is really large. So you find Psalms. If you go to your left, then there's the book of Job. That's also a large book. And you go right next to Job is the book of Esther. So Esther chapter 8. Now, where are we in the, in the story of Esther? Remember, Esther became the queen of the Medo-Persian Empire, right? And she was a Jewish woman. Now, there was a man named Haman who was one of the king's top advisors. And Haman was very well respected. He was very wealthy. But Haman had an insecurity. He wanted the honor. And when he didn't get it, it ate his lunch. And there was a man named Mordecai who would not bow down to Haman, right? 
And Haman was so angry about it that not only did Haman want to destroy Mordecai, he decided he wanted to destroy all of Mordecai's people as well, the Jewish people. But what Haman doesn't know is that Esther is Jewish, and Mordecai raised Esther as his own daughter. And so the king, not knowing that his queen was Jewish, agreed with Haman because Haman said, hey, this is what's going on. And, and they made a decree that on a specific day, about a year later, all the Jewish people were allowed to be killed and all of their goods were allowed to be plundered. And remember, Mordecai starts fasting and he's seeking the Lord and he summons Esther and says to her, in effect, listen, you have to do something. And she said, look, I don't know that I can do anything. And he said, but don't you realize that you're there for such a time as this? And I've been making the point all the way through this series that I want all of us to feel like that because we are all like that. That God has us in situations and circumstances for such a time. And I think what happens when we think about people who step into something realizing that they are God's man or God's woman in a situation, we always think that they, everybody just feels like, oh, yes, I'm God's person. But really, we're all like Esther most of the time where we take a step of faith, but we're not really sure that we're the right person for the job. And if that's you, if you're like, man, I don't feel like the right person for that, or I don't, you know, man, maybe God could have chosen someone more gifted. Esther felt that way, but she was spiritually prepared. She was fasting, and she's like, okay, I'm going to do it. And she went before the king, and, and more recently in the study, she went before the king and she decided she wanted to have a banquet for the king and Haman. And then the next day, she's like, can you guys come back? We'll have another one. And sure enough, while this was happening, Haman erected a gallows because he wanted Mordecai dead so bad. He didn't even want to wait the month anymore. He's just like, we're going to kill him. And sure enough, at the second banquet or gala that Esther had, it came on out. Esther told her husband that there was a man who wants to kill her and all of her people. And the king was like, what? Who would dare do such a thing? He's like, well, it's Haman. And sure enough, the king left the banquet. He was totally mad, right? And then when he came on back, Haman was so overcome with trying to save his own life that right as the king walked back in, he was reaching over to Esther on her couch and the king totally thought Haman was making the moves on his bride. God's irony is an amazing thing sometimes. And sure enough, the king had Haman hung on the gallows that he had erected for Mordecai. That's where we left off two weeks ago. That literally, Haman fell into the pit that he had prepared for Mordecai. And you would think, okay, great, so this... This man, this evil man now is gone. Everything's better. But that's actually not the case. There's another battle that needs to be fought. So look at what it says in chapter 8, Esther chapter 8, verse 1. It says this. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, and Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told how he was related to her. So the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai, and Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. Now, 
Esther spoke again to the king, fell down at his feet, and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman the Agagite and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. Verse 4, and the king held out the golden scepter towards Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king, and the king said, if it pleases the king, and if I have found favor in the sight, in his sight, and the thing seems right to the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamathia, the Agagite, which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who are in all the king's province. For how can I endure to see the evil that will come to my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my countrymen? Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hand on the Jews. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. So you see what's going on. Although Haman is gone... The decree to annihilate the Jews that was still 10 months away was still in place. And so what's fascinating here is that although a major enemy has been disposed of, there's an even greater enemy at work. And I'm going to take some time to apply that, but I wanted to make a point about this because I think... If I don't make the point, we're going to forget. And it kind of drives everything we've been talking about. That It's this, that God uses people to bring deliverance. God uses people to bring deliverance. It's so often that you know this, that as you're going through these things, you can miss what is the most essential point. This is the for such a time statement. That God uses people. See, God used Esther and Mordecai. Right? And now we have them stepping into the situation and saying, okay, listen, we need a new decree that's going to counteract the last decree or else all of the Jewish people are still going to die. God uses people. And I think what happens sometimes for us in church is we forget that God uses people. How many of you heard the joke, and there's many variations of this, that there's a, a flood going on. And, a, and there's a person, he's a Christian, and, and he says, Lord, will you save me? And the Lord says, I will save you. And so he's up on his roof above all the, the, the flood waters, and a guy comes with a helicopter and says, come on down, I got a ladder for you. We're going to get you out of here. And he says, no, 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 God's going to save me. And the guy with the helicopter goes to save somebody else because he doesn't want to go. And then sure enough, someone comes up in a little rowboat. Hey, man, jump on in. We got this boat here. It's good to go. Come on. I said, no, 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 God's going to save me. And then sure enough, the waters go high and the guy drowns and he gets to heaven. He says, Lord, I thought you were going to save me. And the Lord's like, I sent a helicopter and a rowboat, bro. (laughs) God uses people as his instruments to bring deliverance. And just like the shoe project that we did to help people who don't have access to shoes and they can't go to school, just like the Jesus at street level box shop we do for Christmas, all these different things that we do, we realize that God will use people to bring deliverance. Do you believe that God has raised you up for such a time to be somebody 
who can bring deliverance for other people, that God has you in a situation to to be there and to be involved to help change the world. See, that's why as a church, we like to say we're simply responding to Jesus because Jesus doesn't want us just to receive God's word and be like, okay, good, I understand God's word. But God's like, look, I want to change you so that I can use you to be a change agent in the world. And everything about our culture says it's all about you. Keep it internal. It's yours. It's your life. But our Bible says, no, your life is not your own. You were bought at a price. And Jesus wants to invite us into recreating the world in Jesus' name. Now, remember I made the point that sometimes one battle gives way to another battle? The elimination of Haman. Haman was the driver of the destruction. And we always have to remember that when God uses us as deliverers, it's the deliverer with a small d. That God can use you and I to alleviate suffering and do things. But there's an even greater deliverance that God wants to do, and that deliverance is done by one man, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. See, Haman, Haman is the immediate issue, but Jesus wants to heal us from a greater issue. It's like this, and a lot of us have experienced this. Maybe you struggle with anger or drinking or you have a history or whatever, right? And you're like, I need deliverance from this thing because this thing is destroying my life, right? And a lot of times in that situation, someone comes and gives their life to Jesus, right? They're in a crisis. They give their life to Jesus and Jesus fixes the crisis point, the Haman. But then once that thing is fixed, people stop following Jesus. They got through the crisis moment. But really, Christianity is not just about fixing our crisis moments. It's about the fact that we have crisis moments because we have an an overarching nature, a sin nature. See, a lot of us come to Jesus because we struggle with sin, something that we do. Jesus came to deliver us from our sin nature, not what we do. It's who we are, right? So We can be deliverers with a small D. We can give a cup of cold water. But only Jesus is the deliverer with the big D. Not just fixing the immediate crisis issues, but Jesus fixes the overarching problem of humanity. That humanity left to its own devices will always live selfishly and in rebellion against God. And in some ways, Haman was the immediate crisis issue, but the greater issue is the death of the Jewish people. And isn't death the greatest issue that we all struggle with? Isn't, like, death the ultimate issue? Now, why does death happen? Death happens because of sin. Why does sin happen? Because we inherited a sin nature from the very first people, Adam and Eve. Everybody has it. It looks differently in everyone's life. But left to your own devices, you're going to do selfish things. You're going to think selfish thoughts. You're going to do good things for selfish motives. And if you reflect on your heart, nobody taught you how to do that. You just do that. And we all do it. The, the proof is in your own heart and in my own heart. If you don't believe it, just watch the news, read a newspaper, look at news. On, you, it's everywhere. You see it. All you got to do is look at social media. You could see it all. But Jesus is the great deliverer. And I love that, isn't it? Isn't it a beautiful thing? That Jesus is the great deliverer. See, God has used Mordecai and Esther. But the work isn't done because there's a, a, something greater at stake. Now, if you look through this, you realize that the king gave 
Esther the house of Haman, right? And then Esther gives it over to Mordecai. And Mordecai finds himself being elevated. He gets the signet ring from Haman. Now, if you're brand new with us, there's a history with the king and, and Mordecai because Mordecai has helped the king in different ways. And so what you find now is you find Mordecai is now ascending to a top advisor for the king because Haman is gone. And right away, Esther comes and she falls down again and she says, in effect, king, listen, we need a new decree because my people are still gonna die, right? And the king says, look, I want you to write one that seems right to you. Write what needs to be written and use the signet ring that I gave to Mordecai. So the king realizes that something needs to change or else the Jewish people are still going to die. So the king assents to this. He's like, okay, let's do it. Now look at what happens in verse 9. It says, so the king's scribes were called at that time in the third month, which is the month of Sivan, on the 23rd day, it was written down according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews, the satraps, the governors, and the princes of the provinces from India to Ethiopia. 127 provinces in all to every province in its own script, to every people in their own language, and to the Jews in their own script and language. And he wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus, sealed it with the king's signet ring, and sent letters by couriers on horseback, riding on royal horses, bred from swift steeds. By these letters, the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together and protect their lives, to destroy, to kill, and annihilate all the forces of any people of the province that would assault them, both little children and women, and to plunder their possessions. So what we find is that a second decree is made, and this mirrors Esther chapter 3 when the first decree was made. Now we have a new decree, and the decree in effect says this, all the Jewish people are allowed to protect themselves. Anybody who wants to come and rise up against the Jewish people, they have the ability to protect themselves. That's what it says. Now, how do I apply this for us? This is simple. Write it down. Something powerful happens when we take the things that God is revealing to us and we actually put pen to paper or fingers to keys and actually write it down. Because how often do you have something that you sense God wants you to do and you don't write it down and you never go back to it? It's, it's the act of writing something down almost puts it in concrete. It's like you have to deal with it then. It's there. It's on paper. And I think for many of us, we need to start journaling or writing. You need to, when God lays something on your heart, you need to write it down and share it with yourself or with your loved ones, your spouse, because something, I, I encourage you when, you, when you come to church, take some notes. I mean, I go back to my first four years as a Christian. I read the notes. It's amazing the things that God was showing me. It's amazing. You're like where, where, where the pastor would be preaching and all of a sudden something would be applied personally to me. And I, I have these things where they'd be in boxes with stars. Daniel, God wants you to stop doing this. God wants you to take that step of faith. God wants you to do that thing. 
And I really encourage all of us to do that. Why? Because God wrote it down for us. It's called the Bible, my friends. See, God gave us his specific revelation in a book so that you and I can open this thing up and say, this is the heart of God. And if God wants us to understand who he is, and he would write it down for us through the hands of men over time, over many generations, we should do the same thing. And don't neglect Because God has written his word down for us, are you a person of the word? Are you somebody who studies and learns God's word? You and I, we have the Bible in English. We have amplified Bibles. We have this translation and that translation. We have paraphrases. We have all this stuff. You can get it on MP3. Whatever your thing is, you have access to it. But there are people in the world who don't even have access to the gospel of John in their own language. It's just the story of Jesus. We all need to be people of the book. We don't want to take it for granted. We should read God's word more than we read anything else that we read. How much time do you spend reading books on how to do Minecraft well or your favorite sports thing or, 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 or your favorite fashion magazine? How much time do you spend flipping through the, the social magazines about whatever your thing is, good, good housekeeping or, or the man's guide to life in the wilderness or whatever your thing is? God has given us his heart in his word. We need to be people of the word. And not just people who read the word, but people who actually think about it and meditate on it and say, God, what does this mean for me and my life? Who am I because of who God is? When was the last time you wrote it down? When was the last time you wrote a a note of appreciation to somebody who always helps or helps from time to time. We need to be people who write it down. See, in order for this decree that's going to save the Jewish people, it needs to be written down. And not only is it written down, it's written in every language, and it's sent out to the entire empire. It's literally sent out to the entire empire. It says from Ethiopia to India. It gives you a sense of the scope of that empire, all the way from Africa clear all the way across to India, through Southeast Asia. It's it's an amazing size. We find out that it gets handed to couriers who get on horseback. They're on horseback, and they were bred from swift steeds. So you realize that time is of the essence. It's in the third month now. So there's eight, nine months until this day was set to kill the Jewish people. So this thing needs to get through the entire empire in a little more than a half a year so that the Jewish people realize that it is legal for them to protect themselves. I think it's important to note at this point that our Bible tells us that we should be peacemakers, that we should live peaceably with all people when it's within our power. And I I think we have to remember that in the world that we live in because God wants us to make peace in every way possible. But when we can't, then God wants us to protect ourselves. Protecting ourselves and exacting vengeance are two different things though, brothers and sisters. They're two different things. Jesus is 
As Pastor Daniel reiterated today, God uses people to bring deliverance. He used Esther and Mordecai, and he uses us for specific times and purposes too. It's actually an easy time to forget this as we go about our daily lives, but he wants to use us. Giving is one of the central themes in the Bible. Believe it or not, it's the main subject of nearly half of the parables that Jesus taught. Like prayer and serving others, money is an outlet of spiritual power. When it's released into ministry, God does amazing things with it. To understand what it means to be a Christ follower, we must also understand what it means to be a giver. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly supporter of Jesus is Real Radio. For more information, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thanks, Josh. Pastor Daniel would like to invite you to join him each day on Facebook for his two-minute messages. Pastor Daniel shares from his heart and God's Word in a way that will impact your life. It's the perfect way to inject a little bit of Jesus into your routine. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links to the two-minute messages. Now, here's Josh with a preview of what Pastor Daniel will be covering in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel tells us how the Jewish people dealt with the approach of the day where they would be attacked. We'll hear about the difference between vengeance and protection. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Jesus is real.